This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? I'm angry. How are you? Um, I mean, I was fine, but I do we have something to be angry about? Because like, I'm here for it. This fucking movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's that. I thought we meant like... But you suggested last week, you were like, it's about steroids. No, it's not. I believe I told you it's, it seems like it's pretty heavy, but it does say there's steroid use and fantastic like 90s hair and um, oh, what's her head in it? Oh, what's her head? You know, that girl, Hillary Swank. I was like, million dollar baby, that girl. Um, We will get to Hillary Swank. But this movie is not a little heavy. This movie is fucked up. Great. I have feelings. I'm so excited. But first, I want to talk about a couple things. One, did you see that Lifetime broke the internet this morning? I saw that you posted a picture. That's all I know. This Saturday... At some time, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> there will be a movie. It's only a. Sh- it's a short drama. I mean, that's the best kind of drama. Is your house haunted, or is your cat taking over again? Both. Okay. Um, called a recipe for seduction. I saw Starring this. Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders. Okay, how much <laughs> fucking money did KFC have to pay for this short? I don't know, but this is presented by Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's on December 13th at noon. I'm so excited. Uh, if you are not a part of our Patreon, I'm going to recommend that you go over right now and join patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. $1 gets you, $1 a month gets you access to all of our audio. $5 a month gives you access to everything. And um, I'm going to be talking about this next week. I cannot sure. wait. Cannot wait. It's, I just, I know when I saw that this morning, I was like, this has to be a joke. Um, so Lifetime felt bad about this movie you watched this week and they gave you a gift. They're like, Aaron's having a rough time. They're like, quick, get Mario Lopez. <laughs> Let's throw some Mario Lopez like, at it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Lifetime, I'm having a rough day too. You can send my Mario Lopez to once. No, oh, you can have mine. I don't want him. Um, for, for real? Yeah, he's not my, he doesn't do it for me. Like I told you, he was my first celebrity crush. I just didn't realize oh, that's no. what it was when I was little. I just thought that I wanted to have a body like his. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, as I got older, no, that's not what I want. I mean, I do, but I'm lazy. <laughs> He's Dang. just real pretty to look at. He is real pretty, but I was definitely a Zach Morris girl growing up. That's fair. That's fair. And I still, I mean, that aesthetic has stuck with me. I still like skinny, blonde, white dudes. <laughs> Listen, we can't all be sophisticated like me. Because that um, that very curly, I don't know what dead animal on the top of um, 
hit of Mario Lopez's head for all of Saved by the Bell is kind of problematic. Like, who who told him to continue to look like that? I mean, I just want to talk about the tank tops he wore. He wore so many tank tops. I have no problem with that. Okay, so <laughs> uh, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. Um, so the baby was exposed to COVID at school. He doesn't have it, but that meant that we got to blame not wanting to leave our house on the baby was exposed, so we were quarantining. Um, oh, honey, you got to up your game because someday they're going to let us out of quarantine. And you're going to have to come up with different reasons to not leave your house. Like uh, yeah. the baby has a cold. The baby might be teething. The baby right. seized one. So keeping him inside. So see, that's why I didn't want to exhaust all of those early. So I'm going to use the COVID yeah. as much as I can. And then there's always the baby's pulling on his ear. Uh, yes. The thing is, Sarah and I are not the most compassionate parents, especially because she's a doctor. So she just looks at, she just looks at like he's pulled his ear and she's like, okay, we'll call it some eardrops or like whatever, you know, like being a pediatrician means that she is not bothered by like anything. Oh, you don't have to be bothered by it. It's just your get out of the, get out of anything free forever card. I know, but. I don't have a poker face I mean, and she has even less of one. I mean, to be like eight or nine, then people might stop believing. That's when I'm going to, the the baby, um, the baby set fire to the house and we're actually cleaning up. Sorry. <laughs> They're going to be like, whatever happened to the Adams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they adopted that baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, he's the like, best. Children of the corn shit happening up there. <laughs> he is know, the best. I love him. I, I have, love him. I have regressed in age probably six years since he came. And that's good for that you. That has been nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, apparently, though, this movie made you age quite a bit because you're like rage drinking right now. So I want to hear about it. But first. This is lifetime sentence, and I'm scared of rage drinking Aaron. I mean, I'm not even really rage drinking. I did that <laughs> this weekend, so I'm just like trying to recover still from my rage drinking. But I was rage drinking for a different reason this weekend. <laughs> now I'm just light rage drinking. Oh, okay. So, yes. <laughs> tell me everything. I'm excited. Okay. This week, I watched Cries Unheard, the Donna Yaklik story, which Paul told me was kind of heavy and about steroids. I want you to, t- to keep that in mind as we move through this story. I, still, stars, I still think I'm accurate. It stars Jacqueline Smith as Donna Yaklik. You'll remember her probably from Charlie's Angels. She played Kelly Garrett. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Love Boat. Uh-huh. She played Tina in The Partridge Family. Okay. And then most recently, she was in a Lifetime Christmas movie called Random Acts of Christmas with I Aaron Cahill. I did not Cahill. see that one. Me neither. Um, Brad Johnson, which when I first saw his name, I thought that I immediately thought of Boris Johnson, the prime minister. So. <laughs> nope. Two different people. Um, he, like, 
he's not as famous. I do recognize him. But the th- the first movie I pulled from his IMDb was just because it's so funny. Okay. Oh, man. Do you know what I just remembered we used to do? Pornhub or TV? Pornhub or TV. <laughs> yeah. Jacqueline Smith all- was actually in a Playboy film about Farrah Fawcett. Oh, really? And I'm not sure how that worked, but I'm curious. <laughs> we have questions. Um, Brad Johnson, he played Dennis Yaklik, and his role that probably left the biggest impression on me in my teenage years was in 2000's Left Behind. Yes! <laughs> Man. Oh, he was also in Wild Things. Okay. Which left a, a uh, impression on me for a different reason, but also... I don't remember any of the guys in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was also in Veronica's Closet. Do you remember that show? Yes, actually. And Kirstie Alley. Um, And Melrose Place. Okay. And finally, we have Hilary Swank. Miss Hilary Swank. Swank. She plays Patty. You will know her from... Million Dollar Baby, Boys Don't Cry, P.S. I Love You, New Year's Eve, Amelia, 90210, Dying to Belong, an old Lifetime OG joint. Um, The Next Karate Kid, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Growing Pains, Evening Shade, and one of my favorite movies of all time, Harry and the Hendersons. Yes! I've forgotten that exists. I loved that movie. So funny. (laughs) So we open outside of a log cabin in the pouring rain. Inside, there are bottles of perfume and someone sleeping. The phone rings and the sleeping lady answers. It's a guy asking for cube steak. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So she gets up and makes a cube steak in the middle of the night. Um, then she gets dressed in a black dress, pearls, heels, and she puts some makeup on. She goes and pulls the cover up over who I assume is her son. All I can say is, like, what did the what did the fuck is happening? Everything. All at once. Uh, someone pulls into the driveway just as the lady is lighting candles and she hears gunshots. And she runs outside screaming, Dennis, Dennis, but Dennis is dead. It's some time later, and the woman is telling the story to her son from jail. Great. He asks if she ever loved his dad, and she says yes, and we we have a flashback. Okay. A younger version of this woman is getting ready for a date that her sister has set her up on. Is it a different actress, or is it the same actress with younger makeup? Same actress. Uh, Okay. You see Jacqueline Smith. She doesn't age. Right. She could probably still play herself as a teenager. (laughs) She's the only actress who plays herself in all stages of life in her biography. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So her sister has set her up with a police officer who is a former weightlifter and possibly a narc. Okay. The girl whose name we learn is Donna is not impressed, but then she meets Dennis, and he looks a lot like Tom Selleck, so I guess she changes her mind. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, Tom Selleck can get it at any age. He can. He can still get it. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to get off track if we talk about Tom Selleck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Dennis is a widower, and he takes Donna to a bar where he introduces her to his friend, who seem like real douchebags. And I'm like, maybe hide those guys until the second date. But what do I know? They Um, just all pile out at the wedding. Like, hey, we're the douchebag BFFs. Yeah. Uh, Later, Dennis is driving Donna around home. Uh, Nobody knows. And he (laughs) offers to show her his house because it's a real log cabin. Great. So they go over there. And it looks like the 80s threw up in there. Yes. Um, what kind of monsters call Coke cola? Um, yeah, hard pass. Hard pass. I have been known to say soda every once in a while, but Coke is Coke and Dr. Pepper is Dr. Pepper and Coke is anything but Dr. Pepper that is not clear. Clear is Sprite. And then you ask, do you want a Sprite? And they say, yes. And then you say, I've only got seven up. That's how this works. Yeah. (laughs) And if they ever say, is Pepsi okay? You leave. No, that's the end of a friendship. That is. Mm -hmm. You just leave. Because you don't need that kind of negativity in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in our Patreon, we found out that you actually changed the English language once. And now we're finding out that. Aaron has a whole list of rules for the way people should speak, and you should probably follow because she's right. Um, first of all, <laughs> my family's from Alabama, so of course we have a whole <laughs> list of rules on how people should speak. <laughs> what is this, your first day? God bless. I know you're from Louisiana, but come I on. I take that back. You put those words back in your mouth. You repent for your <laughs> sins. I am from Texas. I am displaced. I am a refugee. You are from Texas. I forgot. (laughs) I was like, I was like, this is the end of the podcast right here. Aaron, I was born on Texas Independence Day. God made sure I knew. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, we are. um, I'm a Texan too. It's just that. The Alabama is strong in this one. We are sidelining this podcast to just know you great to great t- facts about Texas. So you go first. No, okay. Tell, tell me about this shitty movie. Continue. Okay. Um. So Dennis also has weightlifting trophies. When Donna mentions this, he goes over to his weight thingy. <laughs> don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And he starts bench pressing. No big deal. Just 300 pounds. In case y'all were wondering, this is how Erin got to be the picture of health. Is she has several weight thingies in her house that she's just always on. Just rep after rep after rep. First of all, (laughs) fuck you. Second of all, I was a dancer, so there's not a chance in hell I was lifting weights back then. I know. Y'all absolutely (laughs) did not cross train. Mm-mm. No, because if you make your muscles big instead of long, uh-huh. you're no good. Um, anyways, okay. 
I wrote, if this was two, if, if this was the 2010s, this dude would go directly from the casting office of this movie to the set of The Bachelor. Yes. <laughs> um, he teaches Donna how to lift weights, and they have some kind of sexy moment with the weights. You know, like when you're bench pressing and you look into the, your spotter's eyes and you guys have that like romantic and the music swells. And you do, I've got to get a new personal trainer. That has never happened to me. <laughs> um, um, the next day, Donna and her sister talk about the date and flowers come for Donna. They come with an invitation to meet Dennis's stepdaughter, Hillary Swank. They get along pretty well. They have a bonding moment over her mother's death and allergic reaction, which I immediately call bullshit on because Dennis totally killed her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dennis asks Donna to stay there and take care of Hillary Swank. And I'm like, wait, are they going out on dates? Or is she interviewing to be his nanny? Nanny. Hmm. Um, so she moves in and she and Dennis do romantic things like dance in the living room and make out. Dennis proposes and Donna says yes. So they get married and live happily ever after. The end. I have a question. How, how, right. Um, how old is Hillary Swank at this juncture? She's like in middle school. Okay. So like definitely too old for a nanny. Right. So they have really aged up Vanessa. Okay. Is her okay. name Vanessa in the movie? No, her name's Patty. Okay. Like I said, Hillary Swank plays Patty. I forgot that. Because mm-hmm. she's, she's just Hillary Swank her. now. Do what? No, nothing. <laughs> Dennis goes to the gym and tells everyone he's engaged. His gym buddy says that he looks like he's shrinking. So he measures his arms like like Wanda. fucking Gaston. He just stands up when I was a lad. I ate four dozen eggs. <laughs> and then he starts taking pills, which I assume are steroids, but just because I read the summary of this movie. He <laughs> chews the pills, though, which I think means he's a psychopath and everyone should leave. <laughs> I choose to believe he's smiling and open mouth chewing. <laughs> no. Um... He also gets real cranky real fast and one night kicks Donna out of the bedroom. And I was like, no, bro, you're uncomfortable. You go sleep your ass on the couch. And this is why I'm single. No, I think you're right. When I can't get comfortable, I move to the couch. After she goes to the couch, Dennis shoots up with a needle and then starts just lifting weights in the middle of the night. Desi, okay, maybe that's why he chewed the pills. He was like a bird. He had to spit it back into the syringe, and that's what he yeah. shot up. No. <laughs> bird roids, they're a thing. Look them up. Probably don't look them up because it's probably some gross porn we have never heard of, and I don't need to know about it. <laughs> Someone Google roid raging birds and get back to us. <laughs> So uh, Donna comes in because she can hear him and she's like, what the fuck? And he throws a beer can at her that's full. So naturally she leaves and goes to her sister's house. Um, So this movie is about how she just shot him point blank on his weight bench, right? 
because uh, that's where it should go. No. Um, Dennis starts to try calling the sister, but they don't answer. So, of course, he goes to her house and bangs on the door like any normal stable person does when he's gotten in a fight with his girlfriend. Right. Naturally. He yells, it's me, Dennis. Like, who else would it be? You fucking psycho. <laughs> Just Ed McMahon with a giant check. Callback. Oh, yeah, that's a callback. <laughs> she answers the door like an idiot, and Dennis starts crying and falls to his knees. And I can say she's an idiot because I've been there before. Um, he swears he'll never do it again. And so Donna and Dennis get married. Gross. Um, she basically has basically the same wedding that my parents had, which was just so many daisies. Oh, okay. I was trying to picture 80s, and I was like, lots of purple taffeta. But daisies everywhere. Okay. Yeah, um, my parents' wedding was in 1980. So on the tail end of the 70s. They were hangover 70s. Okay. Everyone wore flower crowns made of daisies. The bridesmaids' dresses were yellow. The men's suits were brown. And my mom's bouquet was daisies. Um, okay, so my suit and my groomsmen were gray, but we are going to go brown. And Sarah's bridesmaids were in yellow, and she had sunflowers. So this is hitting very, very close to home. Okay, well, um... There were no flower crowns, though. Moving on. Um, at the reception, Dennis tells her she's not allowed to drink the champagne. So they get in a fight. He slaps the champagne glass out of her hand, and then later... He's lifting again while Donna gets ready for bed, but he stops so that they can have weird sex. I I love weird weightlifting sex. Please tell me he just kept like a a single a single um, barbell, just like doing curls while he's like going at it. Is this one a dumbbell? Yeah, when I say barbell, a barbell, sorry. Yes, a dumbbell. Sorry. Man, and this is great for a, a I am, audio content. I am also the picture of health, as evidenced yeah. by my many <laughs> dumbbells and barbells that litter this art room behind me. <laughs> Can't even walk because of so many dumb and barbells. Dumb. And- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So it's. Flashes to later, and Steve is unloading weights from the back of his truck, as one does on Wednesdays, I assume. Um, One of his friends drops by to bring him drugs, and when Donna says they can't afford them until the end of the week, Dennis totally flips out for embarrassing him in front of his friends, and then he yells at her about the dishes being spotty and makes her wash his glass by hand just so he can drink water out of it and take his pills. No. Nah. Donna's trying to figure out what medicine Dennis is taking, but Hillary Swank comes in and she's like, oh, those are steroids. <laughs> NBD. <laughs> awesome. So Dennis is roid raging out. He busts into a drug raid standoff because remember, he's a cop. Right. Right. Um, and he takes a kid hostage, kind of. Perfect. My favorite kind of cop. So, yeah, he... Starts calling in his dinner order with what he wants her to wear when she serves it to him. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine what would happen if you started doing that to Sarah. I would be dead. 
Um, he's eating dinner, and the story about Dennis and the kid comes on the radio because um, he switches it off and says, people shouldn't question his police work methods. And it's almost like police brutality is a systemic issue that will require sweeping changes. Like, I don't know, don't let your officers use drugs and abuse their power. But what do I know? I'm just a, a, a woman. Right. Mm, yeah. So Donna's like, you're an asshole. Stop taking steroids. Also, I'm pregnant. You fucking douchebag. Um, he tries to explain away the steroids and Donna begs him to stop taking them. And he says he will, which, as you know, are famous last words. Sure enough, it doesn't last. Donna has the baby and Dennis continues to lift weights obsessively, but he does buy the baby a stuffed possum puppet. So he's basically a really good dad. Uh, a possum? Like, mm. he, like he saw newborn and he was like, you know, he's holding this baby, bright eyes staring straight up at him. And he thinks there has never been a more beautiful creature that has ever been made on this planet. And I want to give you the world. But first I want to give you this possum. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, one of his friends talks about how awesome Donna is, and Dennis tells him that Donna is just trying to ruin his life. <laughs> Fair enough. Later that night, he makes her lay the baby down while he screams so he can have sex with her. She tries to get up, and he hits her. Just, just well. Nope. Nope, that's not a thing. The next day, Donna's sister comes to get her, and he basically threatens to kill Donna's sister if she doesn't get off his property. Um, what a gentleman. Then he chases Donna inside and starts beating her with his belt. Um, yeah, I, that's not going to work for me. Oh, we haven't even gotten to the part where I got super triggered and had to walk away for like 30 minutes. Um... So Donna goes to see some guy to try to make Dennis stop beating her. I guess he's like a cop. I, I have no idea. Do you, could it have been his partner? Probably. Okay. Probably. Um, and he basically tells her that it's not his place to help her. Which right. then, why, why the fuck do we have police then? R right. It's almost like there's a systemic issue. <laughs> With police brutality that's going to require sweeping changes that include stop letting them abusing their power. Um, yeah, crazy, right? But, I mean, all this time we've been dealing with police brutality. The answer has been right here. Right, right. Fuck, Fuck everything. Okay. So then... After Donna goes to see him, he runs straight to Dennis to tell him about it because she wakes up later. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Okay. She wakes up later to him standing over the bed. He threatens Donna. And then shows, he threatens her and then wraps his hand, his like enormous hand around her like tiny little neck and 
show makes her look at pictures of dead bodies from crime scenes. No, no. And then he says um, that it would be a shame if that ended up being her sister. Oh, fuck no. Then he rapes her. Nope. Uh, present day Donna tells her now older son that the next five years she lived in a torture chamber. She talks about how Hillary Swank turned 18 and fell in love with a guy that she wanted to marry. Little baby Denny is getting bigger and big baby Denny is still shooting up steroids in the garage. Um, but he grew a, peer, a beard and has longer hair and he looks hotter now, but too bad he's not hot. Um, That's a shame. He has terrible track marks like all over him. Um, what kind of a psycho works out in jeans and a belt one of the trainers at planet fitness where i used to work out would show up in jeans and a belt and like train people and then he would like work out afterward and i'd be like i'm not i don't want that one listen can you not so he works out a little bit and then he flexes all his muscles and his like roid veins are completely out of control you know um, ick. Great. This is why I like skinny white dudes. With okay. a little bit of a dad bod. Does it for me. Surfer vibe dad bod. Okay. I see um, that. After he shoots up, he goes home and gives little baby Dennis a project to do, probably so he can beat his wife. But before he can come back inside, Hillary Swank comes in and needs to talk to Donna urgently. I immediately recognize the look on her face, and she is pregnant. Um, Hillary Swank asks Donna to tell Dennis for her, so she does, um, in front of her. I don't know how that was any better. Yeah, I don't mean to laugh, but, like, yeah, that's uncomfortable. Dennis starts crying and hitting the wall until he busts all his knuckles open, and there's blood all over his hand. Then he starts wondering aloud, how could you do this to me? And wipes his bloody hand all over Hillary Swank's shirt. Uh, no. First of all, this has nothing to do with you, you motherfucker. So right? get the fuck over it. Ugh. Then he blames Donna and makes her kick Hillary Swank out and call her disgusting. No. Oh, that's awful. So when he had come in, little baby Dennis and his mom, who, like, little baby Dennis is, like, four years old. He's little. Um, And they're making cookies, and that's when he sends them outside to do something else. So after all of that, he tells Donna that baby Dennis is not allowed to make cookies. Which, fuck you. Right? Cookies are... Who doesn't love cookies? Not on board. Um... So Donna packs up little Denny because they are getting the fuck out. Dennis calls to put in his dinner order, but nobody answers. So he rushes home and they're gone. He goes to look for her. His long hair has now turned into a mullet and he listens to Dracula music. So he's on a downward spiral. (laughs) I'm not a fan. This is (laughs) like an achy breaky heart. And I don't understand. You're going to be a big not fan of this. Great. He storms into the local women's shelter. I'm already not a fan. Shows his badge. 
ask them to please get Donna and his child, or he will, quote, burn this whorehouse to the ground. Oh, nah. Then when they will not go get Donna for him, he just walks in and interrupts a group therapy session where he goes and gets Donna. No. And nobody calls the cops. Everybody lets her leave. Because he is the cop. That's so fucked up. Um, so after they get home, he threatens to kill her very explicitly in a threat that I will not repeat. Um, Donna has no more fucks to give and she accuses him of killing his first wife. He laughs at her and she says she wants to die. So he points a gun at her and says, quote, here comes the pain. Uh, I think you stole that from somewhere, but I'm not sure where. Mm. I'm gonna, you keep searching, but I think this is a, a quote from the 80s. He pulls the trigger, but the gun isn't loaded. Then he just, like, he laughs at her, but not, like, in a menacing way. He's, like, giggling, which is even more terrifying. Yeah, I, that's, I don't, I don't like any of this. So the next day she approaches one of Dennis's little lackey boys and asks him to kill Dennis. It takes shockingly little convincing to get him to agree. He enlists his brother, Charlie, and let me tell you, they are a crack team of assassins. Great. Um, adult Dennis looks like he could snap these two dummies in half with one hand. So uh, Perfect. Um, on the night of the murder he orders his cube steak black dress etc our two mastermind criminals are eating burgers in their jeep they load a rifle and go hide in the bushes or whatever while don is getting ready and i just want to know why does it take two of these dodo brains to pull one trigger um right so they shoot dennis and he dies how sad whatever um the police come and they're discussing the crime and his boss is like well a lot of people want to see Dennis dead. And I just wrote in all caps, maybe he shouldn't be a cop then. I don't know. Right? Hillary's maybe. making her boyfriend come rushing into the crime scene because crime scene tape didn't exist back then. Um, while Donna talks to po- the police, our two CIA assassins are trying to bury the guns in the woods. I'm sure this is going to go really well. Perfect. <laughs> They go, um, oh, I'm sorry. Of course, Dennis is given all honors at his funeral like he was some goddamn American hero, and I hate everything. Um, Mission Impossible 1 and 2 are out to eat at a diner with Charlie's girlfriend. They're talking (laughs) entirely too loudly for being being in a public place surrounded by people talking about this funeral. Especially too loud because Charlie's girlfriend overhears them and goes directly to the police. Perfect. Um, So they get soups arrested and they sing like canaries while they're being put in handcuffs. One of them goes, it was Donna. (laughs) You need some chill, bro. (laughs) Love it. Um, So... Donna and her sister are eating out at a, at a restaurant. It was her first meal out in seven years, and the cops don't even let her finish. They come and arrest her. Oh, my gosh. 
What a fucking asshole. So she has a specialist testify on her behalf for a defense of battered wife syndrome. The DA's office strikes back with an expert who says that women aren't victims. Oh, great. I hate it. Yeah. The defense is like, uh, did you actually talk to our client? And he was like, no. <laughs> Why would I do that? Right. <laughs> it's like I I read a I I read something and I'm pretty sure I know the answer because I'm a white man. Listen, we I'm know everything. For a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary Swank testifies on Donna's behalf as well, but there are also a million cops to testify what an amazing guy Dennis was, and because he never said there were problems in the marriage, it must not be true, right? Right. Right. Um, so the jury finds Donna not guilty of first degree murder, but guilty on the charge of conspiracy to commit murder. And the judge gives her a lecture about how she started all of this and how she, he has to give her a harsher sentence than the actual murderers. Yeah, that's not a thing, sir. Um, Back in the present, her son asks if she'd do it all over again, and she says she would. She tells him that she spent her entire life with his father, being afraid she was going to die. She tells him he lo- she loves him, and he says he's been angry, but he's never stopped loving her. So when he gets out, they'll go see the ocean together. And it ends with the following voiceover. Quote, the average prison sentence for a woman who kills her husband or intimate partner, I'm, I'm putting in the intimate partner, is 15 to 20 years for a man who kills his wife or intimate partner, the average sentence is two to six years. She says, I was sentenced to 40 years for conspiracy to commit murder. I have served five and a half years and have filed a motion for reconsideration of my sentence, which is currently under review. And so because of that statistic, I went and Googled it because I thought, oh, surely we're doing better now. And we're not. It's the exact same. Oh, great. The average for a woman who kills her intimate partner is 15 to 20 years. And the average sentence for a man who kills his intimate partner is two to six years. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Like, yeah. Like dear white man, let's, let's change some things. Please. (sighs) All right. I'm done. Make me feel better. The good news is you're going to get unangry. I doubt it. Let's see. You're going to get unangry. Unless you're going to be like, this never happened. I don't know if I'm going to get unangry. So, um, I found information on Murderpedia and on Investigation Discovery's Evil Stepmothers. There's an episode about her called Nanny Nightmare. Um, what's that face for? Evil Stepmothers. I know. So I already have a do better. I already have a thing about that. Um, Me too. Did I tell you about the paper I wrote in grad school about this? Yeah. Yeah. I have a real problem with it. It, It's it's not it's not good. It's not good to teach our children. Oh, my AirPods are low, so um, they may die. In which case, I'll have to switch headphones. But hopefully, we can push through. All right. 
So many sources describe Dennis Yaklich as an upstanding member of Pueblo, Colorado law enforcement. He was beloved by his children. He was a public figure who'd never stood out as someone to be leery of. Um, and then Robert Pugel, who was an author interviewed in Evil Stepmother, said, not only did he want to keep bad guys off the street, he wanted to help those who he thought could be redeemed. He and his wife, Barbara... Hold on, hold on. He and his wife, Barbara, lived on a working farm with their daughter and then... Barbara's three children from a previous marriage. Um, And by all accounts, he loved his stepchildren, like with the same fervor he loved his daughter. And at no point did he ever really refer to them as his stepchildren. They were a very close family. Um, But then Barbara Yaklich died on Valentine's Day, 1977. She'd previously been diagnosed with a potassium deficiency. um, And she had appeared fine to her younger daughter, Vanessa before Vanessa left for school that morning but about an hour later Barbara collapsed in front of her son and died the cause of the death was determined to be internal bleeding as a result of a lacerated liver Dennis told the coroner that Barbara had passed out and when he attempted to administer CPR in a hyper state of panic um, he must have caused caused the injury. However, ID reported that it, the cause was a heart attack. So there are already conflicting accounts on how the like the official cause of death of Barbara. It's also interesting because um, you said they have one daughter together, and she has three daughters or three kids from another marriage. Uh huh. In the movie, they have one step. He has one stepdaughter, so it was her daughter, right? Not his, right? Um, which I find interesting because it seems like they combined some of the children, but, um, two of the children are actually in evil stepmothers giving their testimony. Um, we need to change the name of that show. Like right, right now it's not on anymore. I don't think it did very well, but, um, I wonder why. Right. So, um, An ambulance company owned by Dennis's supervisor's brother transported Barbara's body from the Yaklich home to Parkview Hospital. And the investigating agency, the Pueblo Sheriff's Department, was not notified until two hours later. The lead detective uh, says that there was no examination of a possible crime scene. And so they never could offer any explanation. Um for what he coined to be quote, so many holes in this case, it's like Swiss cheese. Um, so, so it never dawned on anyone. Like maybe this fucker killed his wife. Nope. Um, so they did ask Dennis to take a polygraph and he refused, but no charges were ever filed. And obviously many questions remain unanswered. They're like, Ooh, um, yeah. If he doesn't, want to take a lie detector test then i mean case closed we're done here it was an accident good job everybody let's go to happy hour i mean invite dennis right you know but like i we always talk about people who don't take polygraphs but i don't think i would take one even if i knew 100 percent i was innocent i don't think i would ever submit to a polygraph i don't think i would t- like i don't think i would ever submit to one however i'm going to expect that if I refuse to take one, I'm going to be investigated be, further. Right. Like due diligence would be served. Yeah. Not like, Oh, um, cool. Um, where it's, it was an accident. Right. In Bye. fact, we don't, we don't even need a polygraph. We have a monograph and he said he didn't do it. So we're done. Um, we're done. 
So after Barbara's death, he got really drunk one night and didn't admit to it. So basically, <laughs> didn't happen. We even roofied him. He didn't say anything. So remember that uh, LSD test where we thought it was true serum? We gave him that and uh, <laughs> came back inconclusive. So yeah. So all I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Thank you. After Barbara's death, Dennis began to raise all like Dennis raised all four children on his own. He was a patrol officer. He worked long hours. And so the children spent a lot of time shuffling between his house and his parents' house. So he finally realized that maybe they needed a little bit more stability. So he began interviewing potential nannies. It was during yeah so when you were like is she a nanny and i was like actually yes um okay but in the movie it was like they were on their second date and then he right. was like, don't leave stay and take care of my daughter and i was like i have questions no so they actually met through this interview process so it was during God. this process that dennis met donna gilkey donna was beautiful she had blonde hair she had this like she um she was known for her blonde hair and her very trim figure she was an aerobics instructor with this like bubbly outgoing personality um and she got along since Jacqueline Smith is so famously dark haired right yeah um I I found so many things that you said very interesting in comparison to what my research said um so um Dennis saw that she got along well with the kids he saw her as caring and exactly the the type of person he thought would be great to care for his children and his accent absence not accents He's got listen. Sometimes list. Sometimes he's British and sometimes he's Australian. And if you listen to our Patreon, you know that Americans can't tell the difference. So, nope. <laughs> so we don't know shit. That's what we found out. <laughs> so several weeks later, Dennis hired Donna, and she moved in to be kind of a full time nanny. The children gravitated toward her. She was a good cook. She was energetic. And Dennis felt like they were all finally healing from the loss of, of their mother. Um, so soon Dennis and Donna found they had a lot in common. Dennis felt that Donna brought joy and light into the family. Um, he said that she was the answer to his prayers. And so it was a surprise to nobody that a relationship blossomed out of this. What did catch people by surprise, though, was when Dennis proposed less than a year after the death of his wife. So um, Donna included Dennis's daughters in the wedding planning process. She sewed their dresses like um, Vanessa, the younger one, was a flower girl and she sewed her dress. And Vanessa talks about how special and beautiful she felt in this dress that was made just for her and um you know, they were allowed to, to actually like be part of the planning process. And so, um, Dennis's youngest daughter said, Oh, I said that already that she felt special. Um, so they got married in a small ceremony in their living room with just a few, few friends and family. It was just this like beautiful, happy little simple ceremony. Um, within a few more months, Dennis hit another patch of good luck. He received a promotion from patrol officer to narcotic detective. <laughs> I mean, face. if you like narcotics, then yeah, it's a well, big stroke of luck. It was a big pay promotion. I mean, like a big pay raise. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, 
So this, however, brought a lot more nighttime hours for Dennis. Um, so Donna basically became the, like the primary caregiver for the children while Dennis was at work. She was in charge of the family's finances. She cooked dinner every night. She did all the things that like the perfect housewife was expected to do. And the children loved her for some time at least. And then something changed. Seemingly overnight, Donna went from this happy, loving, affectionate motherly figure to this hateful, controlling, and angry woman. The children began to call her two-faced because she would act one way toward Dennis and then the complete opposite to the children. Um, She was sunshine and rainbows when Dennis was home and the minute they were gone, um, she was awful. And she was especially awful to Vanessa, the youngest daughter um, and Dennis's only child. Um, Both Vanessa and her older brother, Chris, talked about the things that Donna would say to Vanessa. Um, She'd tell her things like, you don't deserve to be loved. She would lock Vanessa in her room and tell her how stupid she was. Um, And like the other children could, you know, like would not deny how awful Donna was and kids can uh, see be oblivious. So for them to take notice of just how awful it was, it must've been pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like kids pick up on more, way more than you think they do. I don't know. I'm one of five and we never knew it was happening to each other. Mm. Um, so we to disagree. The children spent a long time trying to protect their dad and their dad's feelings. They didn't want him to know how unhappy Donna was making them because he finally seemed happy. They felt like they needed to protect his good mood after the death of their mother. And so they suffered in silence. They just kept hoping things would get better for them. And then Donna and Dennis announced that Donna was pregnant and they, they hoped that this would be like the turning point for them. Um, They expected that, you know, that this would make their family happy again, but it never did. Um, And so the Mother's Day that Donna was pregnant, Vanessa actually went out of her way to make Donna a Mother's Day card. And she explained in the ID special that she had never called her mom. She had always called her Donna. And so she said she brought her the card and she said, happy mother's day, mom. And she was immediately admonished, admonished by Donna. Donna ripped the card from her hand and said, I'm not your mother. Don't ever call me that again. Okay. Then, um, Vanessa began crying. So Donna patronized her made fun of her for crying and then took the heel of her hand and slammed it into Vanessa's forehead so that it would, it knocked Vanessa's head back into a wall and then it rebounded forward with the force. And then Donna got down in Vanessa's face and said, your mother killed herself because you're a bad little girl. What the fuck? Right? So after Dennis Jr. was born, Donna convinced Dennis to build her a gym to teach classes from. He began working extra hours and overtime to afford her gym and the lifestyle that Donna was hoping to live and um, to show appreciation for how hard he worked and the extra money he was bringing in, Donna bought herself whatever the fuck she wanted. So she bought nice clothes and jewelry and drained their savings account and was spending every cent that Dennis made almost as quickly as he could make it. Um, So she continued screaming at the children and then when her gym finally opened, she started teaching um, classes out of her gym. 
Um, so then Donna becomes the scuttlebutt of the town because everybody knows that she is teaching these classes specifically so she can get closer to all the fit men who were already attracted to her. So she would have these Mm -hmm. classes full of men that she would flirt like pretty openly with, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong or that she did anything wrong, but it just became a town rumor that like Vanessa, I mean that not Vanessa, that Donna was just, um, basically trying to find her a a man on the side. Um, so eventually Dennis confronts Donna about the rumors. Um, and ultimately what he told her was that she needed to tone it down because the town was talking. Um, but that he basically believed her, had faith in her that she wasn't like having an affair. Um, but to just be kind of cognizant of the things that were happening. Um, so things become more and more strained between them as time wore on. Donna continued to abuse Vanessa while draining the family's finances. Her gym was losing money. It never got to a point where it was making it or even breaking even. Um, she kept buying herself nice things And she never told Dennis just what dire straits they were in financially. She was in charge of the finances, so he never actually knew what their bank account looked like. And I'd like to blame him for this, but I don't actually know how much money I have in my bank account either. Sarah just every day tells me we only have a couple of dollars so that I don't just buy whatever the fuck I want. Like, that's the method we have, so I don't question it. Oh. Um, I keep meticulous track of my bank account. Oh yeah. Sarah does too. But like, A, I, I would never be able to, my ADHD is too severe. Like I can't be that structured even on my medicine, but, um, Mm -hmm. B I'm an impulse shopper. So if I just think I have $2, then I'm not going to shop, but that is something I have to actively fight. Mm. Um, so Dennis's parents, however, did notice their finances They knew that Dennis's money was tight and they knew what a drain Donna was having on their son's money, but they also noticed that significant amounts of money went missing from their own bank account. They immediately began to suspect Donna because when Donna took over Dennis's financials, they um, figured that that must mean she was good with like budgets and money. And so she, they asked her to take over their financials as well. Um, and so they had loved her initially and thought, um, did you, sorry, I was just started to repeat myself. Um, but, um, um, Chris, the son who was in evil stepmothers said that over an 11th month period, $11,000 went missing from Dennis's parents' bank account. Donna had been writing checks to herself from their account. So, um, Dennis's parents went to her first and gave her the opportunity to come clean. I'm so confused. Why? I'm just, I just am. Okay. I didn't know if I'd said something that was confusing or like the movie that you watched is so opposite from the story that everything is confusing or what? I know. Yeah. But also like, I just did a quick murderpedia search and like there is evidence of like uh-huh. abuse and stuff so we'll i'm get, so confused we'll get, we'll get to that i promise so i know don't over research my research i spent days on this i'm not over researching your research i just wanted a sneak peek to see if this was a whole thing 
where the whole thing was made up and then I'm going to be real pissed anyway. So no, I would have told to figure you out how fired up I'm going to be. I would have told you if it were completely made up. I tend to do that. Cause I tend to tell you in advance, like I had to cover a different case because, um, yeah. So, um, they Donna Dennis's parents went to Donna first and gave her the opportunity to come clean in private. They asked her about the missing money and they said they didn't want to involve Dennis and disillusion him of the life he thought he had. Um, and Donna said, I don't know anything about your missing money. Then she went home and wrote Dennis a letter. And it said that his parents had falsely accused her of stealing their money and misappropriating funds. So she was taking Dennis Jr. to Denver for a few days to live with her sister. And then she taped that on the fridge. And um, she told the older kids that she was leaving Dennis and the marriage, marriage was over. And Vanessa basically leapt for joy and was like, bye, bitch. Um, so Vanessa kind of saw light at the end of the tunnel with all this. Mm-hmm. So when Dennis discovers the note, he gets in his car and he takes the two, like his two younger children with him um, because the older kids could fend for themselves, but he didn't want to leave the younger ones alone. Um, they drove okay. to Denver together to convince her to come back. Um, it worked. And Donna's reign of terror continues um, in the family for a few more years. I almost said comes to an end knowing that that wasn't the answer. Um, so I was like, continues. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Donna gets an actual job to help with finances, um, and Dennis tries to save his crumbling marriage any way possible. So in August of 1985, the family took a vacation. Vanessa says that for the first time ever, they seemed like a real family. Donna was happy. They weren't fighting. The kids who were still at home, because the oldest two had graduated and moved away at this point, um, the kids who were at home thought maybe this was they were turning a corner, but the minute their trip was over, evil Donna came back out. Um, so finally, one night, Dennis had the misfortune of meeting evil Donna. The kids were playing in the living room, having like a pillow fight, and Donna started screaming at Vanessa and Vanessa alone, even though Dennis Jr. and Chris were also in on it. She pulled Vanessa over and screamed in her face. She called her an idiot, and she said, I can't fucking stand you. Um, And then she, like, in the middle of a sentence, stopped, and the room got dead silent. Um because Dennis had opened the door and caught Donna in the process of screaming into Vanessa's face. So Donna, um, so Dennis grabs Vanessa and gets her away from it. And he basically gets in Donna's face and says, you will not talk to my children like this. So Donna begins crying and promises to change. Um, and she swears that she was never going to talk to the children like that again. And Dennis takes her word for it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So a couple months later, Dennis finally admits that their marriage is over. Seven years into the marriage, he realizes that things are never going to get better. So that October, he tells her that after the Christmas holidays, so in January, he wants to get a divorce, but he doesn't want to ruin the kids' Christmas and New Year's. Like, um, So let's just wait till January and we'll just call it quits. Um, and so... Donna Donna took the news surprisingly well and Dennis even commented to his parents how strange it was that she was like very chill with it all because it was strange. Um, Donna continues screaming and cussing at Vanessa throughout those last few months. 
Um, Donna grabs her by the shoulders one day and kneels down and says, I'm going to kill your dad and nobody will be here to protect you anymore. So on the night of December 12th, 1985, Dennis left for work while Vanessa and her brothers were decorating the Christmas tree with Donna. Just after midnight on December 13th, Chris, Vanessa's older brother, awakens to what happens, what appears to be gunshots. Um, he decides that it's just a car backfiring, so he tries to go back to sleep. But shortly after, Donna comes in crying and tells Chris to look out the window. Chris sees Dennis's body lying on the ground in front of their house. He'd been shot six times, five times in the body and once in the head. Um, so naturally, Donna is immediately questioned she shows no emotion at all in her interview. And while I know that everybody grieves differently, um, it's noted by several people that it's unsettling how just like, it's not even like catatonic. It's just emotionless. Um, so she tells the officers that she heard the shots. And when she looked out the window, she saw two people running away. Footprints in the snow confirmed the story. And then Donna tells investigators that it was likely related to a narcotics case that Dennis had recently been working on. The next morning, the next fucking morning, Donna wakes Vanessa and Dennis Jr. up. So she lets this rest like eight hours before she wakes the children up to tell them that their father has died. Um, Vanessa well, said... I understand that. I don't, but that's not how I operate. I do. And here's why. So did you watch I'll Be Gone in the Dark? Uh, I'm halfway HBO? through it. I haven't finished it. Okay. Well, I'm going to spoil part of it for you. That's fine. I mean, not really, but so Patton Oswalt, his wife dies. Uh-huh. And he is talking to someone. Oh, the next day he has to take her to school and he has to take care of all this stuff and he, he goes and picks her up and he's like okay um he tells somebody he's like i have to tell her and the the therapist was like tell her in the sunshine because she'll never this is a moment she's never going to be able to forget and okay. he wanted to give her something to look forward to okay and not like the darkness of like okay your mom died good night okay i can see that I just, I would feel it's like that would be a much more urgent thing. Right. <laughs> um, so. I can understand it because I would never wake my child up in the middle of the night to tell them that someone died. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, I, maybe I, maybe that is different now that I actually have a child that I care for on a regular basis rather than the theoretical children that I have told people how to raise for many years. Mm. Um, so anyway, um, Vanessa steps into the living room and that's when she notices that all their older siblings are there, uh, including the two who'd moved away and everybody's crying. So Donna finally says, your daddy got hurt last night and Vanessa pieces together that, that that means Dennis has died. Um, Donna tells her that it was related to work, but Vanessa said all she thought about was Donna's threats to kill Dennis just a few days before. So that the day after Dennis's death, Donna and Vanessa load up all of Dennis's things into the truck and take them to the dump. 
Vanessa tries to sneak some of his personal effects to keep, but Donna slaps her and tells her she can't keep any of it. They have to get rid of it all. Um, I don't understand the story. So then at Dennis's funeral, witnesses see uh, Donna hit Vanessa's leg and tell her to shut up and stop crying. You're embarrassing me. So Vanessa's aunt has to step in and... um, Okay, sorry, my headphones died. So Vanessa's aunt has to step in and uh, save Vanessa from the abuse that's happening at the funeral in front of everybody. Um, And then less than a week after the funeral... Donna begins calling the city and the insurance company is trying to collect Dennis's life insurance. Um, Why is she calling the city to collect life insurance? First of all, yeah, I we're no not going to write you a check, right? No idea. Um, maybe to get information on his, um, policy through like the police final department. death certificate or something. Maybe. Um, but, um, and so she's just kind of like cool, cool as a cucumber as she incriminates herself. Um, so police called, that's not, I wrote police called officers in for further questioning. No, no. Officers called Donna in for further questioning, um, but her attorney won't allow her to answer any questions and she refuses to cooperate with the investigation in any way. She won't submit to a polygraph and she basically stalls the investigation like, like she crosses her arm and, and just doesn't speak at all. Which is Which fine. Is your it's right. a tactic, right? You you do have the right to remain silent, right? And you can't incriminate yourself if you say nothing, like right. So, um, a couple months later, a break comes in the case. Police officers get a call from a high school student that says her boyfriend has been bragging about being one of Dennis's shooters along with his brother. So she came in and gave as much information as she had and offered the investigators the names of the young men claiming they were involved. Um, were their names Mission Impossible 1 and 2? <laughs> yes, yes, they were. Um, their names were Charles and Edward Greenwell. Charles was 16 and Eddie was 25. Who hires a 16-year-old to right? do something? Oh my god. Um so they lived just down the road. My child is 16. Right. He can't do jack shit correctly. <laughs> Why on earth? First of all, he'd be calling me like, "Mom, what wh- what do I do now?" <laughs> I, I did this what I and I'm like, "Dude, uh That was a terrible idea." <laughs> right? Um so Um, They lived just down the road from Dennis and Donna and the brothers had a record, but not of any serious crime. Um, But this statement from the girlfriend was enough for investigators to get a search warrant for the Greenwell's house. So the search resulted in finding guns that fit the profile of the two guns used in the murder, as well as boots that matched the footprint found in the snow on the night of the murder. And like a planner that said murder at seven 30. Right. Basically. Yeah. Uh, circled on one of those big desk calendars in like color coded like mom is pink and dad is blue and the boys are in green and red and they both say like murder murder (laughs) 7 30 p.m so eddie and charles are called in for don't be late right so um eddie and charles are called in for questioning after the discoveries and they fold like tissue paper like it is 
mm-hmm. very much like the movie you said they're like confessing and admitting things in handcuffs like that's basically what happened in real life yeah uh, well it's crazy how if you get it back a teenager in the corner and on the flip side this is why you should always have a parent or um lawyer present if you're right? a teen has to be questioned because they will admit to anything right um so charlie the uh 16 year old confesses to the murder very quickly and once he confesses eddie follows suit and so when the investigators ask why they did it they say that donna yaklich offered them forty five thousand dollars to do it okay um So on the night of December 12th, Dennis had called Donna to say he was going to be home early and Donna called the Greenwells and told them to be ready for Dennis to be arriving shortly. They parked near the Yaklich house and waited for him to come out of his truck. Then they shot him execution style. They then said that Donna had been talking to the, to them about this for over a year and she told them that she was in a troubled marriage that she was afraid of dennis she said that he was abusing her and that she fought to win and she, they said that basically she fought to win their sympathy um she said there was no other way she could get out of the marriage and then she offered to pay them for his murder so come to find out when dennis told donna that he was filing for divorce. He also told her that she would get nothing. Um, she had brought nothing into this marriage. He said, and she'd squandered all of his money away and his parents money. And he was done with it all. Um, and investigators decided that that's what has caused her to snap finally. So okay. when police went to arrest Donna, they found that she'd left the country for Jamaica. Um, so okay. they don't know when she's going to return, but they wait for her. And literally the minute she steps off the plane in Denver, they arrest her for the murder of her husband, Dennis. Sure. And she says there must be a misunderstanding, um, which I'm not sure is the line I would go with, but um, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I just think, find that funny. Like there must be a misunderstanding knowing that you'd been, um, question several times it's just an interesting phrasing but I don't well I don't know like if I was innocent I'm not saying she was because whatever but if I right. was innocent like completely innocent and I talked to the police like four times and then they come back and they arrest me and be like uh okay there's been a misunderstanding somewhere I something th- has been miscommunicated <laughs> I think my response would just be like what the fuck you know like that's just, I I just tend to over-exaggerate every response, and I know that. So there's no telling what I'd say, but I don't think it'd be there's been a misunderstanding. That's what I say at the bank whenever they've taken too much money out of my account. By that, I mean, because I didn't realize there were ATM fees. So, oh, my God. <laughs> the misunderstanding is on my part. Yes. So, uh, anyway, so she argues she refuses to speak. She doesn't offer any information to the police. And both Eddie and Charles make a deal with the district attorney in exchange for their testimony against Donna. They plead to second degree murder. Um, and Edward receives a sentence of 30 years and Charles a sentence of 20 years. So finally, three years after Dennis's death, Donna sits trial for his murder. In his absence, she paints a picture of, 
And I just am saying that in his absence, because he is not there to defend himself. And all we have at this point is the testimony of survivors on either side. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want to make that very clear that I'm about to jump ship on the story I've told because I have to do my due diligence as a researcher. Okay. So, um, in his absence, she paints the picture of herself as an abused woman with no way out. She said he was abusive and he would go crazy when he took steroids while he was doing his bodybuilding competitions and things like that. Um, Now, it is important here to note that many people in the community, including at least one of Dennis's former co-workers who was a police officer, believe that Dennis murdered Barbara, Dennis's first wife, and got away with it. Um, And whether Barbara's death was in fact intentional or not, Donna said that Dennis threatened her that she would end up like his first wife. Um, And she also made it very clear that there was something in the back of her mind that believed that Dennis had killed Barbara and that that um, impacted her state of mind. Um, However, the um, prosecution ruled it, uh, had it ruled that she couldn't present any information about his first wife's death as part of her testimony. So she couldn't even say that she was scared of him because of the death of his first wife and the implications there. So that was ruled out. Um, So here's where I jump ship and tell you this case was also covered in season three, episode one of Snapped on Oxygen. Okay. I have heard of that show. Yes. So um, evil stepmother is told from predominantly from um, interviews with the surviving family members and Dennis's former co-workers at the police department. And Snapped is told based predominantly on interviews with Donna and her defense team. And so in the end, you are, all media is biased. And I have literally the two most biased sides to go off of with nowhere in the middle to pick from. Um, Excellent. Okay. So... Like I said, to do my due diligence, I have to reference Snapped and say that I find it very interesting that these shows, who are both very well respected for their research, have gone completely opposite ends of this story. So I'm interested, did they do a toxicology report on Dennis? I don't remember them saying that. But it's possible. Because it feels like that would solve the whether was he taking steroids or not right. argument. So, um, according to Murderpedia, oh, also on Murderpedia, there is a document that um, Donna wrote that um, contains a lot of information that can be verified by reports and documentation. But it is her words. And I used a lot of Mm -hmm. that as well. Um, Okay. So there are numerous reported incidents of Dennis's brutality to the public in Pueblo. However, even to this day, police administrators deny the citizens' complaints against Dennis, calling them myths ascribed to the Yaklich legend. Of course. I I mean, Um, of course they do. Right. So this, in spite of the statements by his closest colleagues who readily admit that Dennis's abusive tactics on the job, like that he used abusive tactics on the job. Um, some even said that they dreaded working with him because of the way he conducted himself. One of his former partners explained that he always had to quote clean up after Dennis. Um, 
But his fellow officers conceded that when you needed someone to knock down a door or clear a room, Dennis was the guy to go to. So Dennis was six foot five and 280 pounds. So just his presence was menacing. Um, He's a big boy. Right. Combined with his use of steroids and his, um, combined with his use of steroids, his aggressive tendencies were like terrorizing. Um, Other officers and even a supervisor admitted that at times when Dennis became confrontational, they threatened to shoot him because they knew they couldn't defend themselves any other way. So like maybe all cops need to have their guns taken away and like a psyche eval and like a nap and a snack. Like let's start there. But also like if you need to be treated like a kindergartner and have a nap and a snack in the middle of the day, you don't need a gun. Maybe you shouldn't also be running around with a gun. Right. Right. That's why I said, let's take the guns away, do the psyche valve, give them a nap. When they wake up, the results are they're all fired. Yeah. Um, so these, um, and these were the reactions of like specially trained law officers who were physically fit, who, you know, they were, they were terrified of Dennis as they clearly said. Um, so their reactions to Dennis obviously begged the question. How was Donna, a five foot seven, a hundred thirty pound wife and mother, supposed to defend herself if any claims like allegations of abuse were true? Okay. And, and so this is where I get into Donna's actual testimony, the thing that she wrote that I found on Murderpedia. I couldn't find where it was originally posted. Um but she says that Dennis's violence against her included, but it's not limited to slapping, kicking, choking, and pushing her downstairs, putting his firearm to her head and threatening to kill her, taunting her by making his hand in the form of a gun, pointing it at her, and then lifting it to his lips and blowing on it as if he'd shot her. Um, so like the douchebaggiest well, threat to... Well, that's just dumb. Right? Like that, um, that, torturing her by using the cover of darkness in the bedroom to keep her from gauging what direction the blows would come. So he... Um, he would turn out the lights before he hit her so that she wouldn't know where he, she was getting hit from. Be able to see. Um, as well as repeatedly and sadistically raping her. His psychological abuse um, can be classified as domestic terrorism, as many um, healthcare professionals have said, um, and that it was probably far more disabling than physical attacks. Um, and that a constant threat loomed over her every day, not knowing where or when the fatal act would come was more debilitating than having no doubt it would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so independent, independent witnesses have corroborated Donna's accounts of the physical abuse. Um, one such witness was their mailman who had said that he'd seen bruises on Donna's face. And another was a telephone repairman who was called twice to their residence to fix phones that Dennis had yanked out of the wall when he was in a rage. Um, and he made the following statements to the lead detective, uh, who was overseeing the investigation and Dennis's death. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. He said that, um, there were very visible bruises on Donna's neck and cheek. He said they were so prominent that they were noticeable at a glance. And when the detective asked how he could remember so vividly, the repairman said that in his business, he sees a lot of things like that in low income areas and in the projects, but he was shocked to see a cop's wife all bruised up like she was. And that was his quote. Okay. Um, so Donna several times reached out for help. 
And so these things were corroborated in her testimony. Um, in 1982, she called Dennis's partner. And that's why I asked earlier, was it his partner that she called? Oh, um, I'm assuming. I'm... Right. I didn't know if they'd like clarified, but you were like a coworker, I guess. Um, so she called his partner to say that Dennis was out of control and had thrown her down the stairs and was threatening to kill her. And the Pueblo detective told her to leave immediately Donna explained Dennis had threatened to kill her family, starting with her father, if she ever left him. So she was afraid to leave the house. Dennis's mm. partner reported at the time that he believed Donna was in fear for her life. So he went to his and Dennis's supervisor and the supervisor, um, basically like he gestured for him to leave it alone and then said that it was none of their business. And so the report went no further and Donna realized that going to the police was an exercise in futility. Mm -hmm. So in 1983, November of 1983, she went to see a psychologist. The visit was short and traumatic with Donna sobbing uncontrollably through the entire session. The psychologist told her to leave Dennis, but provided little assistance on how to muster the courage to do so and how to do it safely. Dennis. Well, thanks. Right. So, um, Dennis forced Donna to account for all of her time. So basically, according to her testimony, he made her say like where she was every minute of the day. So she couldn't imagine trying to explain repeated appointments with a therapist. So she never went right. back after that first visit. In February of 1984, she fled to a battered woman shelter in Denver, which is where in, um, evil stepmothers they said she went to live with her sister mm -hmm. um and so as is common she returned when dennis begged her to come home and promised he would try to change donna was but she's documented as being at a shelter to my knowledge yes okay um so donna said that she was ashamed of her decision to return to him and she was plagued by self-blame not knowing and she had no idea at the time that her behavior was indicative of most abused women. Um, and so she just like lived with this guilt forever. Um, she told the counselors at the shelter that she was moving out of state rather than admitting she was going back to her husband. So in early 1985, she began reaching out to several people telling them she believed that Dennis was going to kill her and seeking their advice, but nobody took her seriously. So she went to one of Dennis's friends and I don't know why he would go to somebody's friends, but I guess that's what desperation does because she asked this friend, do you know anyone that could get rid of Dennis before he killed her as he threatened to do? Um, she said coming to believe her own life had no value in her, the eyes of others. She thought perhaps she could place a higher value on Dennis's and intervene. Um, or they would, Oh, that's why I forgot this. So she thought that if she, he knew that she was trying to like put a hit on him, that maybe somebody would intervene and separate them. So, I mean, yeah. Um, that seems just, like, that's what you do when you are hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. I, I, no. I mean, ish, kind of. But if I had been in that situation, coming from the relationship I was in. Right. See, I, I have no experience here, out, so I'm going to defer to you on this. I would hope you would find out so he would just kill me. Okay. 
because listen, if he finds out, it's not going to be like, oh, we need to separate. Right. That's not going to be his line of thinking. Right. I think she was thinking that police would come and arrest her and take her away. And then they would be separated. Like she was hoping somebody would come pull her out of this situation one way or another. But I don't know. I, this is like I said, again, like everyone thinks differently. So I can't say. Right. And again, this is just my understanding from her writing, um, and from other research. So, um, anyway, Beyond hope, Donna then admitted that she uh, um, attempted suicide to escape, but that she never carried it out because she was filled with guilt at the idea of leaving Dennis Jr. to fend for himself. Sure. Um, So in May of 1985, Pueblo Sheriff Department officers responded to a 911 call made by Donna's mother when one of... um, the stepchildren called Donna's father, reporting that he heard Dennis push Donna through a glass window. The officers who responded talked with Dennis, who took them on a tour of the gym he had built on the property. And after, like, they laid eyes on Donna, but that was it. They left. They didn't talk to her. They didn't do anything. Um, even though the incident was a false alarm because the crash that was heard was a bowl hitting the floor rather than being Don, rather than Donna being thrown through a window. Um, mm-hmm. It seems interesting that his children, his children, not hers, like they were the stepchildren um, would call the police for fear or call the grandparents for fear that he had thrown her through a window. Right. If they're saying, Oh, that's never happened before. Right. But today, that's what it sounded like. Um, So, in the end, Donna was found guilty for the murder of Dennis. Um, And one of the most interesting points of the case that Donna points out is that a number of people, including the district attorney, said if she'd just done it herself, she could have walked. That the hiring of hitmen is what did her in and Mm -hmm. took the battered women defense off the table for her. Um, I mean, I don't see, I mean, God. Okay. (laughs) Yep. So, um, she also felt that, um, Everything was stacked against her that he was this well-known member of law enforcement that as the son of that I can get behind as the son of a police officer. I know that things are stacked in favor of police officers when it comes to the, to the justice system. Um, And I can, I can totally see her line of thinking there. Um, Let's see. Make sure that I hit everything. So, her, the jury did acquit her of the first degree murder charge against her. Um, instead, they convicted her of conspiracy to commit murder. Which that first charge carried the death penalty? Did it? The I think. First degree murder, yes. Okay. And so That's they. Because they barely mentioned it in the movie, and I was like, wait, what? I, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so they instead convict her of conspiracy to commit murder. Several jurors believe that Donna should be acquitted of all charges, but they said in later interviews that they were fearful of retaliation against Pueblo Police Department or retaliation from okay. Pueblo Police Department. Um, 
So they also believe that based on the evidence of the of the brutal and continuous abuse Donna suffered at the hands of her police of, of her husband, uh, it's at her police husband, um, that the judge would not sentence her above the minimum, which was eight years, but they were mistaken. So um in addition, so when they get to the sentencing, Donna gives her own remorseful plea, begging for mercy, and her probation supervisor who conducted the pre-sentencing investigation also testifies. He recommends the minimum sentence and suggests that Donna was an excellent candidate for sentencing alternatives outside of going to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, he made the following statement. Quote, I really felt that whether they did what she wanted done to have Dennis killed or whether Dennis found out and killed her, it didn't matter. She was at a point in her life where either was satisfactory. There you go. Yep. That's it. Um, That's it. The late judge who presided over, late uh, Judge Seavey, disregarded the recommendation completely and ignored all of the mitigating circumstances of Donna's case. He remanded her to the department of corrections for 40 years. And now he's a Supreme court justice. Right. Well, God, his justification for issuing a sentence above the presumptive range, because it was supposed to carry eight to 25. Mm -hmm. Um, was that Donna started this whole scenario. Therefore, he proclaimed, quote, a sentence in excess of the longest Greenwell sentence is thoroughly justified. So that was actually a quote from the judge. Way to go, Lifetime. Great. Um, so let's see. What's this last page that I set in paint earlier? Um, okay, so... The jurors were horrified by this harsh sentence and more than half of them wrote letters to the judge expressing that the sentencing was too harsh. The judge referred to the jurors outrage as their disregard of judge CV's instructions. Um, Oh, sorry. Um, So they wrote these letters to the judge who presided over the reconsideration. So it wasn't to the judge who was initially. Um, So they wrote to the judge saying that he needed to reconsider their the sentence and that they had all hoped that she would get the minimum of eight years. Sure. And that judge said that that their outrage was a disregard of judge CV's instructions quote, that they must not allow personal sympathy to influence their decision in his or go fuck yourself. Right. In his denial uh, of the motion for reconsideration of sentencing, the judge said, under these circumstances, the opinion of former jurors is not useful. So again, kindly go fuck yourself. Oh my God. Yep. So I know that, and then that's where my notes end. Um, I know that Donna has been released. um, Mm -hmm. So she did not have to serve the full 40 years. Um, and that she is working, um, toward rebuilding a relationship with Dennis Jr. And that there are documents corroborating that, um, she was abused. There are also documents, um, that point to, and, you know, witness testimony that point to she was an abuser. Um, and so I don't think we will ever get the full 100% truth. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I am actually, um, 
inclined to believe that she was abused and that all like if all the things that Vanessa said in the story are true and I'm not going to discount her testimony that the impetus and the feeling behind that was probably the hatred of Dennis and that poor yeah. Vanessa was just receiving that not that she yeah. was independently being abused I don't know if that makes any sense yeah um so I'm so mad I wanted to paint this whole picture for you that Donna was the awful abuser before I hit you with the hard facts. Um, because like I said, I found it so interesting that these two, cause I trust the research of both of those. Like I trust the research of both of those, um, channels. Oxygen does a stellar job. ID does a stellar job. And for them to take the same story and have completely opposite stories was so interesting to me. That's part of what I'm upset about. Okay. Um, but also, okay, so to me, First of all, either Lifetime or Oxygen should have done, or not Lifetime, either ID or Oxygen should have done much better research. Yes. But on Lifetime's part, there's a real problem with believing abused women in this country. Yes, 100%. And to take one where there, to take a case where there seems to be so much gray area. Uh huh. And turn it into the siren song of abused women everywhere and battered wives syndrome seems irresponsible. Absolutely. So that's like my problem. There are plenty of cases of women with battered wives syndrome that there's none of this bullshit gray area. Right. That have just as compelling stories. Right. And so it seems irresponsible for me, for to me, for them to take something so ambiguous and make it into a movie um i mean i i err on the side of believing her because right, again he was six foot five and 280 pounds so right um but it just seems like they could have done a better job selecting a case for right this one. well just some of the things that some of the things you said felt intentional to me, like that they only represented one of his children. And it was one of the children who did not give testimony in the case or in the TV show. Right. Um, this movie was also made in 1994. Right. So I know, know that so, neither of those episodes existed, but I find it interesting that the children who talked were not the ones who were represented, which makes me wonder who would talk to Lifetime and who wouldn't and why, you yeah. know? But again, it's just like, okay, if you're not getting enough information from everyone involved, maybe move on. Then you find a different story. Right. Hillary Swank can play one of millions of teenagers at this point. So like, let's find another yeah. teenager and keep the same, keep the same acting crew. I don't I, care. Cast. That's yeah. The word. I'm just I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. As a woman that survived, like, a very abusive relationship, I'm a little disappointed. Right. And I Just will... do better, Lifetime. I will tell you that when we approach abused women situations, I am always 
a little fearful to cover it because I know that I cannot do it in the, with the sensitivity that it needs. Um, as somebody who has never and will never go through that as a six foot one, very large white man, like I'm, (laughs) I'm never going to go through that situation. And so I appreciate when you were patient with me and when you helped me, um, relearn and unlearn things that I thought. So I want to thank you for that. I just had to do a quick Google because I was like, is this the same fucking story? I'm right. so confused. Right. Well, and that's what. You the wrong people? What is happening? That's what I found so interesting was Murderpedia is what I hit first. And then I was like, this case sounds so wild. Like, surely there was a show made from it. Like, I just knew there had to be. And then, like I said, I saw one that called her mother, like evil, and one that said she snapped. And I was like. What the fuck is going that's on? That's my other issue with anything called like evil stepmothers or whatever. I you're seeking, you're intentionally seeking out someone with a grudge to tell a story, right? And it seems like definitely ID could have taken a different case that also didn't have so much ambiguity, right? Because in and neither snapped nor, um nor ID, like you mentioned, they didn't do their research. They did not do their due diligence in saying, like they never once mentioned these gray areas. There's not yeah. a single time that it was mentioned in the no, that, like crossover. Right. There's not a single time in the evil stepmothers that is mentioned that she even testified that she'd been abused. Like they paint this picture of, she was just in it for the insurance money. And at no point do they even say that those allegations were made. Like if they even said false allegations were made, I don't think they were false, but if they even had said those words, they would have at least acknowledged that there was something said, but they didn't do that. Right. Yeah, it just kind of feels like a failure from everyone. Yeah. Except us, of course. Right, obviously. (laughs) Well, next week, we have something different. Yes. Next week, we have... A very hard case for me to research. I've already tried twice. Really? Yes. That's okay. It'll be good. Last holiday, the Jim and Suzanne Shemwell story. And that is a Christmas movie, but it's based on a true story. And if Paul has to make it up, then hopefully he will acknowledge some ambiguity. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know that even if I have trouble researching a particular case, I can usually find something that's in the same theme. Similar. Mm -hmm. So. We will we will have a great episode Excellent. next week, but oh, I'm not worried about it at all. And yeah. then the week after that, we're gonna do. Wait, hold on. Um, a week after that, we're doing uh, my favorite things, and that's just where we're going to for an hour and a half list things that we like. No, so the week after that, we're gonna do a Christmas movie breakdown, two yes. lifetime movies. The week after that, we're gonna take off. Because it's Christmas. Oh, yeah. And then the week after that will be New Year's. And our 99th episode. episode. Holy shit. And then the week after that will be our 100th. Holy shit. And I can't even believe that. I know. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Speaking of confused, how did we get here? Right. Also... 
we so we just did i know everybody last week got their spotify like most listened emails and stuff and so as a podcast we were able to track that and almost like way more listeners than i expected were listening to us on spotify so way more shout out to all of you hi spotify people right so we a peek behind the curtain here we don't pay for any of those premium services that track your growth like Mm-mm. and so we get a regular email that says 11 people listen to us <laughs> and so uh, not that I care like I really okay 11 uh, people are having a great time exactly as long as there's 11 of you we're on board we don't care but then um, we got that email that said we're trending in Norway is that the one I screenshot you yesterday, Norway and like yeah. Taiwan, like shout out yeah. to you guys. Hi. I don't know. I hope, I hope that I'm not embarrassing you to listen to me because I wouldn't listen to me, but thank you, Norway and Taiwan, like shout out. Um, and then I I'll, would absolutely listen to me. So I don't know what he's talking about. All these people on Spotify. I just, like I said, it was not the 11 people and <laughs> Sometimes I'm convinced that the 11 people that show up on that one tracker that emails us is just um, Joey, your royal finest, listening to us like several times. And uh, (laughs) she's so great. Uh, We just have the best fans. We just have the best fans. Um, And that was a that was just a very happy boost. And um, I got giddy. uh, It was very unexpected. Yes. Because I can see, like, downloads. But then, even then, like, I know all of that stuff is completely, almost kind of random based on which, you know, what information they're catching. So it's almost always wrong. Right. So it's just like, okay, well, people listen. Awesome. Right. That's it. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed and I am overcome with emotion that... Like Sally Field said, you like me, you really like me, and y'all yeah. like Aaron more, so. I'm pretty sure we've already established that they like you more, <laughs> but, but why don't you tell the people where they can find us? Um, okay, so you can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Shoot us an email at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. You can find show yeah. notes and a link to our merch at lifetimesentence.com. And then, of course, if you want to hear more of us, hop on over to patreon.com slash lifetimesentence. And $1 gets you access to everything. $5 gives you access to, I mean, $1 gives you access to um, all audio. $5 gives you access to um, special discount codes and promos. And um, we do, we have done a Netflix party before um, and we are planning on doing something else again soon, especially like Hulu, mm-hmm. which has a much better true crime area, just announced that they have their own party watch service. Yes. And so um, I would like to do that, but um, $5 yeah. gets you access to those things. So, yes. So please join us over there. Um, we have some exciting things coming up in the new year. I can't wait to yeah, share. Yeah, we with do. All of I'm you. so excited. Um, yeah. So stay tuned. And um, Aaron, we are at 
five months, 20 days, and 17 hours until my full-time job is soap and lifetime sentence. I'm so excited. Cool. We're going to keep growing, and then your full-time job will be lifetime sentence, too. I hope so. We're, um, we're meanwhile, the cat's going to try to kill me. Naming it and claiming it. Well... Thank you so much, guys and and gals and everybody. And I know I am so heteronormative, guys, and I don't mean to be. Everybody in between. Thank you. Um, don't forget to eat your vegetables and charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.